hymn writer says, when I hear the trumpet sound, may I in him be found, clothed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. And that day is getting closer even as we heard this morning. And therefore even as we are here in the house of God for the ministry of the word, let's ask God to speak to our hearts and that we will continue to hide ourselves in the righteousness of Christ and continue to grow into that righteousness so that one day we'll be faultless before the throne of God, never to be ashamed, but looking forward to that glorious day. As the writer, Apostle John will say in 1 John chapter 3, everyone who has this blessed hope that he will see his Savior one day, will cleanse himself because he is pure. And this morning, Father, I pray, Lord, for each one of us, from the beginning for the youngest here in this sanctuary to the eldest, Father, speak. Speak, O Lord. You speak. Anoint each one of us. Our hearing, open the eyes of our heart that we will see. Open our ears that we will hear, O Lord. That, Lord, that we will not only be hearers, but, Lord, it will transform us. There will be faith that will arise in our hearts. And the word of God will work in our lives because you said, the word of God has got power to work in those who believe. And Lord, it will bear fruit in our lives. To that end, I pray that you would bless each one of us. Anoint us. Speak to us. Speak through me to each one of us. In Jesus' name. Amen. One of the famous, very favorite verses of mine in the entire Bible is uh, 1 John chapter 1 verses 1 to 2. 1 John chapter 1 verses 1 to 2. I've, a fantastic verse. I, I cannot imagine how incredible it is to me because when the writer John says that which was from the beginning, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and our hands have touched and handled. See, we touched him. Concerning the word of life, we ate that word. We tasted him. We not only saw him, we heard him, we saw him, we touched him, we tasted him. We enjoyed that life. We have seen and we bear witness and that we declare. It's amazing that it's as if Apostle Paul, uh, sorry, John in this in this situation says he's got those five spiritual senses. Everybody's got five senses, right? The eyes and the ears and the and the tongue to taste, to see and to touch and to speak and to enjoy. He's is is he has savored God in all his senses of the spirit, and that which he has savored, that is what he's declaring. And that is the reason why it's one of the most powerful epistles in the Bible. This is what Apostle John's um, experience is. And you, will, you might argue and say, you know what, 
which a apostle John was this guy who really literally touched Jesus. Now he did not only touch Jesus, he literally uh, he leaned on the breast of Jesus and he was very close to Jesus' heart and obviously he touched him. Maybe that is what he's talking about. Look at what First Peter has to say. First Peter chapter 1 verse 8. Fantastic verse. We'll just put that in context. At the revelation of Jesus Christ, and this is talking to the people uh, whom he's writing this letter to, whom having not seen you love, you didn't see him, but somehow you perceived through your vision and you started loving him. Though you do not now see him, I saw him then, you did not see him then. You don't. You have not even seen him now. You just heard me speak. But through my speech, you saw him somehow. And then what has happened? Though you have not, you do, you do not now see him. Yet you believe. And because of that belief, there is inexpressible joy inside of your heart, which is full of glory. It's amazing. That is the reason why Jesus tells Thomas, who was coming to India. To all the gultis who enjoy movies. He said, <laughs> Thomas, you see and you believe? Blessed are those Indians whom you will minister to. <laughs> they will, see, without seeing, they will believe. And therefore I titled today's message, How Sharp Are My Senses? My Spiritual Senses. This morning. You see, you have ears. You have eyes. You have tongue. Taste and see that the Lord is good. In his right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Jeremiah says, I ate your word and it was like tasty in my mouth. Ezekiel will say, when I found your word, I ate it and it became like honey in my lips, in my mouth. And it went into my belly and it became bitter, but I enjoyed it nevertheless. How powerful are, how sharp are your senses? Just wanted to take the primary text for this morning from Hebrews chapter 5 verse 11 to 14. Uh, and we will try to launch from there. It says, of whom, this is talking about Melchizedek, of whom we have much to say, hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. Your hearing has become dull. You can't hear anymore. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God and you have come to need milk and not solid food. Doesn't It does not mean that milk is bad. Milk is good for a baby or even a three-year-old or a four-year-old. But if a 21-year-old guy is only surviving on milk, there's something wrong with the guy and not the word. The problem is not with the word. The problem is with the person. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. And then he says, everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he's still a baby. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who by reason of use, they have used it, they practiced over and over and over again, have their senses exercised. And by this, by the way, this word senses in the original Greek in the New Testament occurs only once in the entire Bible and here. Senses. Your senses have been exercised to discern both good and evil. And uh, what are these? I mean, uh, ESV will render it a little beautifully more. more uh, it will elaborate it for us. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have 
their powers of discernment trained by constant practice. The senses have been trained by constant practice to distinguish what is good and what is evil. Now you need to understand something very interesting, no? Sportsmen, one of the things that they are scared of in their lives are injuries. For a sportsman to have a real long career, he has to somehow take care of his diet and his physique and his anatomy so that somehow he remains injury free. And the reason why he has to remain injury free is because most of his skills that he has developed, for example, if you're a tennis player and you're having his forearm with an incredible amount of topspin like Rafa has, 3500 RPM. Rotations per minute. It's incredible. He generates that kind of a torque and he relies on what he calls as a muscle memory. What has happened over a period of time, he has trained his muscles over and over and over again that his muscles automatically generate that kind of a power because they no longer are directly connected to the brain. They themselves have a brain in themselves. They are a brain in themselves. And you'll see that, you know, remember Sachin Tendulkar when he had the tennis elbow injury. Boy, he was so scared. He used to, he, they, they said, I mean, in, in one of his uh, interviews, he said, I used to have nightmares thinking my career is over because, boy, I relied so much on my hand-eye coordination. Muscle memory. And one of the in- most important muscles in your body, you know what? Which is the most important muscles, muscle in your body? It's your brain, exactly. It's your brain. It's an incredible muscle and that has to be trained over a period of time by constant practice. And that is what he says, your senses have to be trained. You see? That, that is the reason why one of the things that uh, children are often asked to do is to concentrate for longer period of, periods of time, memorize and study, take it by heart because it helps you. It really, really gives you a lot of concentration. It improves your memory power. It improves your skills. It becomes a part of your training. It, when, when you grow up, you don't have to learn anything new because it's already a part of your system. It's a muscle memory already. So train up your child in the ways of the Lord when he's young so that when he goes old, he does not depart from it. So today we want to look at how we train up or rather at least see if our muscles have gone a little weak. I'm talking about spiritual muscles. Especially, first I want to look at hearing. Hearing. Like pastor says, an English teacher, the first thing is LSRW. What is LSR? Listening first. You listen. Hear first. A wise man will hear and increase in learning. That's the first problem. A wise man will hear. My son, if you hear my words, treasure my commands within you. Proverbs 23, 26, my son, give me your heart and let your eyes look at my ways. We'll come to, we'll come to that later on. But hearing, have we become dull of hearing? How do we, how do we judge ourselves and look at the anatomy of our ear, spiritual ear that is, and see if you have, or ears are sensitive or they're not. 
Like Pastor because was giving us an incredible example during the fasting and prayer. He was talking about uh, the radios. He's talking about the tuner. Remember the tuner? Fine tuning your tuner to the radio station. I mean, I don't, do you guys not have a clue as to what those people are talking? I mean, my parents know, you know, all India radio. I used to know even the Sanskrit also. I don't have a clue as to what it was. Okay. This is this was because this was a part of our radio. I mean, this was there. You guys have no idea what he was talking about. I was excited because fine-tuning to capture that particular frequency. See, and the spirit has a particular frequency through which he transmits his information and he speaks into our hearts, into our conscience. And he's talking about the faculty of the hearing of the spirit. Do we have it or not? And therefore, the first parable that Jesus will talk about in all the three synoptic gospels is a parable of the sower. And then when he talks about the parable of the sower, when the disciples come and ask him, he says, can you just explain the parable to us? And he says, don't you not understand this parable? And he says, if you do not understand, in Mark's gospel chapter 4, he says, if you do not understand this parable, how will you understand every other parable? In other words, understanding the parable of the sower becomes the fundamental to understanding and hearing from God. And by the way, hearing from God is a exercise and you have to cultivate it. It's not like one day, thus says the Lord, it doesn't happen that way. Little children, you should see older and senior men of God, how well they hear and they tell us. When I started, I couldn't, I didn't hear like this, but now I hear. Because it was a constant practice over a period of time. I cultivated the presence of God in my life and I started hearing much more clearer. Okay? So let us see what, how do we hear? First, as we look at uh, the parable of the sower, we'll not go into the details of it, but just briefly look at that and then we'll try to understand what it is. Uh, Luke's Gospel chapter 8, the parable of the sower from the Gospel according to Luke. A sower went out to sow his seed and the seed, uh, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside and it was trampled down and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on the rock and as soon as it sprang up, it withered because it did, it lacked moisture. Some fell among thorns and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. But others fell on good ground, sprang up and yielded a crop a hundredfold. Notice, not 30, 60, 100. Okay? 100. When I... <laughs> Have students coming to my course. I, I spoke this long time back and I'll, I'll, I, when they come to take my course, sir, I want to take your course. Okay, no problem. And the discussions they have among themselves. Grading kaisa hai? How is the grading? Easy hai? Mil jayega? Ikka? Cool prof hai. De dega. Okay, that one, those days I was still not a professor, I was only a lecturer. And those guys were taking me for granted. And I was, some, I mean, it was, it was genuine, okay. There was, there was like, I want to get by somehow. 
Okay. I give them an F. Ikka nahi mila, F mil gaya. And you should see, they're coming and they're appealing to my conscience and to my other side and say, sir, sir, please, sir, sir, don't, this is only an elective. I said, you know what, if you, it is really an elective, what does elective mean? Elective does not mean that you just want to take it because your grade, you want to get a good grade. No, elective means because you're interested in it. And you're taking it because you want to get A in it and you want to excel in it. That is an elective. And then he was crying. I said, boss, sorry. F. And that's it. I said, please, sir. I said, no, I cannot. If you come, I'll have to do it for everybody else. And he says, sir, I will not tell it to anybody else, sir. No way. You take my course. Boss, 100. Okay. It's, it's, it's remarkable. See, I'm talking about electives. Okay. That is when you go to PG. I'm not talking about undergrad. In undergrad, you're, undergrad students, they have to get, whether you like it or not, you have to get. No. But when you come to PG, you're already in a niche area. You like the course, right? What am I expecting? 100. Nothing less than that. We all take comfort at 30, 60. No, no, no. God says, I want 100 for my children. I want 100 for Abigail. I don't want Abigail to grow up with some. No. With crutches in maths. No way. That problem in Telugu, Pandita Putraha, Paramasundaha. I don't want that. I mean, think about it. Think about if God, if I as an evil father is expecting from my daughter that she has to excel in what, how much more God? How much more God? And think about it. In Christendom, the media, we want to become mediocre Christians. There's nothing called as a mediocre Christian. There is only a grand slam Christian. To put it in Rafa's words. Okay. Hundredfold. When he had said these things, he cried. <laughs> he said, he cried. He loved the loud voice. He who has ears to hear, let him hear an event. And thank God for the preacher, Jesus explains the parable. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are parables so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not hear. That is the reason why I gave them a parable. And then he says, take heed as to how you hear. Verse 18. For whoever has, now put this in the context of hearing, whoever has, to him more will be given. In other words, if you start learning to hear from God, today you hear a little, I mean, maybe one word, from God, next time, what is expected from you is, ideally, hear more from God, and more, and more, and more, and at one point, you are like Apostle Paul, you know what he says, I have the mind of Christ. He's so, what do you call, confident, he says, you know what, uh, this is my opinion, 
but I believe I have the mind of Christ. I have the spirit of God. Finished. He writes scripture and it becomes scripture. 13 epistles he heard. That's remarkable. So, for whoever has, more will be given. Whoever does not have, what he seems to have, will also be taken away from him. Why? That's a promise. (laughs) It's a promise. Both positive and negative. What does it mean? Hearing has to produce faith. And faith that leads to obedience. That is the reason why Romans chapter 1 will say, to for the obedience of faith among the nations for his name's sake. In other words, the more I obey, the more I will receive the word of God. And therefore, I need to take care as to how I hear. John Piper made this very powerful statement. Look at what he says and we'll try to understand it a little uh, detail. Getting ready to feast on God's word is not first an intellectual exercise. It's not like you can memorize scripture and start reading. No, 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 no. It's not going to happen that way. It's not an intellectual exercise. It's not like reading the Bible more. No, 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 no. It is a moral challenge. It's not an intellectual challenge. It's an obedience challenge. So what is the attitude with which we come so that we hear from God? One of the commentators during the in the during the uh, the 19, uh, this 2017 US Open final where Nadal was playing, of course, and I listened to the commentary because it's I love it. It's music, okay? And he says, "Attitude determines altitude." I said, "Why?" I'm going to use that in my sermon. Attitude. And so when uh, Omar came, I said. You were in New York, right? In September. So you said, you know, it was, it was happening in New York. What? Tennis. Oh, no, I didn't go. I said, oh, I wish I was there. <laughs> attitude. Attitude. What is the attitude with which you come? And James will going to talk about the attitude. It is important how you hear. Okay? So he's talking about an attitude over there. So let's try to understand what the attitude is. In James chapter 1 verses 19 to 20. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Two verses. What do I get from this? Every disciple of Jesus must prepare himself or herself to receive the word. That is what it means, swift to hear. By the way, the word swift to hear, it occurs only twice in the entire New Testament. This is the second time. Only two. Twice. Swift to hear. The attitude. That's the reason why, you know, what David says, you know, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God rather than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. When they said, let us go to the house of the Lord, I was full of joy. I was reading an article by Warren Wearsby. He was giving this situation. Think about a pastor of a church. He comes to the pulpit unprepared. No sermon. All gajibiji here and there. I mean, it's all over the place. No enthusiasm. I mean, he's not even excited about what he's sharing. And he comes behind the pulpit 
What will you say? Boring, pastor. What a pastor? Did he prepare? Now just let me change that. What about you? When you come to the house of God, you don't, you don't come with preparation. You know, one of the things that we tell students when they come to class, if they have to understand class 2, they should have understood class 1. Otherwise, it doesn't matter what kind of a genius he is, he will never understand what, is, what I'm talking about. And if it goes on and on and on, there will be a learning gap through the semester and you will end up with a F for sure. Now, a lot of people, when they come to the house of God, they are absolutely unprepared. You know that? And that's one of the things that pastor was talking about yesterday in the youth meeting. He said, you guys go home now and sleep. Sleep. Take some seven and eight hours of rest so that when you come to the house of God, you will not fall asleep. Think about that. How many of us have that attitude? I want to prepare myself. This should be like ground. It says, break up the fallow ground. It should not be hard soil. I want to hear from God. Do you have that kind of attitude? No wonder people just go out without any change. There is no righteousness of God in their lives because they they haven't come with an attitude to prepare, with a prepared mind to receive the word of God. No, they have not. And to be honest, you need to ask yourself today, how many of you were prepared yesterday? You shut off the television, you were thinking about the word, you're listening to a sermon, you're in an attitude of worship. You know something, it's very interesting. I've seen all shepherds who really, really were successful in their shepherding. And I'm talking about shepherds who were successful. I'm talking about really elderly men of God who had congregations, who mentored congregations, who went through thick and thin. And one of the things that they always keep telling from the pulpit, whether it be Sundar Krishnan, whether it be John Piper, whether it be Zach Poonan, whether it be any of these preachers, you know what they say? Congregation, please, Saturday, please, please, do something about it. Don't clutter your Saturdays. So when you come to the house of God, you're not, you're not, you're not in an alien land. Romans chapter 10 verse 1 to 3. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. For I bear witness that they have a zeal for God, but they don't have knowledge. How would you get knowledge? For they be ignorant of God's righteousness, seeking to establish their own righteousness. They have not submitted to the righteousness of God. There is one thing that you get when you come to the pulpit or when you come to the church. You get the righteousness that God requires, not your own righteousness. You can go out of this place with the righteousness of God or with your own righteousness. James chapter 1 verse 21. Therefore, you know what he says? What should you do? What should you do? Look at this. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. Take off all those kachada in your mind on Saturday and say, Lord, just take this kachada out so that my mind will be a fertile ground for your word. Look at this beautiful verse in John's Gospel chapter 8, verse 37. I know that you are Abraham's descendants. Yet, You are looking for a way to kill me because you have no room for my word. You have no room. You have, you are completely cluttered with all things in your mind. How can I speak your word? My word into your mind because it's totally occupied already. It's like Jesus did not find space in the inn. 
when he was a baby. And the word of God does not find space in the minds of his believers, his disciples, when they come on Sunday morning because it's already cluttered with so many things. It's, it's a, in other translations, you see, yet you seek to kill me because my, my word finds no place in you because there's no room in your hearts for my message. Different translations. My, one of my friends, very close friend of mine, he was my roommate. He was when I was in, he was in North America, Canada. Was it? He was my roommate. He did his masters in a Scandinavian country. Okay, those days getting into Scandinavian countries was not difficult. He got a nice scholarship in a top school in Scandinavia. Okay, Sweden. Okay, so three Scandinavian countries. No, no, no. Put it silence. He was there in Sweden, and that was the first batch from India who went to that university on a scholarship. Okay, that was the one of the first batches, if not the first batch. Very recent. And he, he and he, he told me a, an experience in his life. He said, Vijay, these guys in Sweden are xenophobic, man. Xenophobia means fear of strangers. Okay. When we used to walk on the streets, those were all white folk. I mean, they're all... Caucasian, okay? Caucasian blonde, meaning blonde, blonde hair and blue eyes. They are pure Aryans. Okay. <laughs> Whatever that means. <laughs> okay. So, uh, I'm also a Brahmin. I'm also an Aryan, essentially. Okay, but that's okay. Uh, that's besides the point. So, he's, he's, he's walking on the street and then he used to look at a family on the, on, on the, on the, on the road. They used to come out and they used to see me and they used to run inside. After seeing me, as if they saw some ghost. And these guys were all like six feet three and six feet four, both men and women, so tall, and they're scared of me. Then I realized that they were actually not scared of me when I was actually waiting for a bus. That bus stop was a request stop. And I was waiting for the bus. I was a foreigner. This bus was coming, and I showed my hand. That fellow went right past me. After seeing me, and he goes 100 meters down, and there's one Scandinavian girl waving his hand, her hand, he stops for her. I know what I said. Yeah, man, I was so frustrated. I felt I was not welcome in this place, man. Not welcome. And you need to understand this, okay? I mean, if you were in North America, maybe in Canada is not there, it's not like that, because everybody is balle balle over there. That is Punjabi. Most of them, Indians. It's not like, wait, you go to Scandinavian countries, you hardly see any aliens. They're literally aliens. Resident alien. And, 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 and this guy, and he says, Vijay, I was not welcome. And you know, this is exactly what Jesus is saying. My word comes into your mind, and you say, not welcome. Alien. Strange. That's exactly what happened to the people of Israel. What is this strange manna? What is manna means? What is this? What is this? Angels food? Strange. Oh, we liked garlics and lemons and whatever. Not welcome. There's no respect for the word of God. There's no reverence. You're not welcome. I call it the 1313 syndrome. 
I mean, this is just for my, they are handles, or these are pointers. If you're a programmer, you know what I'm talking about. This is how I store addresses in my mind. Proverbs 13, 13. Whoever despises the word brings destruction on himself. But whoever fears or reveres the commandment will be rewarded. So think about it. When the word of God comes to you, start fearing it. That's the reason why Jesus will say, I mean, God will say in Isaiah, he says, I'm looking at this one man who's humble and who trembles at my word. He's like, I want to get, I want to know you, Lord. Is that the attitude with which you come to church? Does the word of God find no room in you? Or is it, boss, not welcome? I mean, you may be here in the house of God, but only God knows our hearts. He knows my heart too. I mean, there were several times. He said, not too tough. No way. I'm not accepting that. <laughs> That's not you. Well, it was God. It was unfamiliar. You need to understand, this is what Paul will talk about in, in one of his episodes in Hebrews. He will, he will say, Hebrews chapter 4 is very interesting rendering in the original Greek. For the good news came to us. He's talking about us and he's comparing us with them, that is the Israelites. For the good news came to us just as to them, but the message that they heard did not benefit them because it did not meet with faith in the hearers. I love that translation. And other translations say it was not mixed with faith. The original will say it did not meet faith. Our faith there. Hey! I'm just wanting to get hold to onto some faith in that room, in that mind or whatever. It's not there. It's not there. There are no categories, in other words, to understand the word of God or to retain the word of God. You know, one of the ways you guys, children, learn, the way you learn is very interesting, no? How do you learn? So if I'm giving you information, okay, how do you retain information which I'm giving you? What should happen in your mind is that you should already have some kind of pointers in your mind so that when I give you the information, you're able to put some connections with that information and you're able to make sense out of it. Ah, this is what it means. Ah, this is what it means. Ah, you're able to form a picture for yourself. But, Dunna Potumida Jadiwana is a Telugu proverb. What is Dunna Potumida Jadiwana meaning? You have a bull and you pour water on it. Not even a speck remains. Even if it rains or thunders, Jadivana. Not even a speck remains. Why? No categories. No faith. I want to, this is God's word. I want to take it. I mean, that's the reason why Paul is so excited about the Berean Jews, the Jews in Beria. He said, you know, these Jews in Beria? Boy, they were noble-minded. He uses the word noble-minded. Noble-minded, you know why? Because when they heard, they received the word with the readiness of mind and went back home and did their homework to make sure that the concepts that they learn become a part of their mind and they're able to apply it into their lives. Do you have faith? Does the word of God meet faith today in this mind? 
in your in your minds? Is there faith? So that you can retain the word of God? Therefore he says, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. And how should you receive the word? Receive with meekness the engrafted word. I'm Pastor keeps telling us, no, Vijay, uh, like he told the other day on, 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 on Saturday meeting, right? He said, if you think that you know better than your teacher, your top mega pand, you know, these are the, these are the titles which are top hai, mega pand, mega pand. If you're thinking that you're top, you're a stud, whatever, and you come, and you think that you know better than your teacher, you think you'll learn? No way. Forget it. Forget it. You need to have meekness. A heart. A heart of a servant. It's like, you know, um, in, 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 uh, I think it's in Psalms, in one of the Psalm of degrees or essence, he says, like a mistress waiting for the, uh, uh, servant waiting for a mistress to receive the food. I'm like, panting, I want to receive it. So hungry. Mistress, please feed me, feed me. That's a beautiful picture. That's what it, that's what God tells Samuel. Or rather he tells us through Samuel. Look at what he says in 1 Samuel chapter 3 verse 10. Now the Lord came and stood and called as other times Samuel, Samuel. And you know what he said? Speak for your servant. Yours. Lord, I'm your servant. Lord, I need you. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. These are your people. I am your servant. Teach me your ways. Show me your paths. If I found grace in your sight, show me your face. And God will say, no one sees my face and lives. And then for John Wesley will say, then let me see your face and die. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Those people had this, Lord, I, I want to hear from you, Lord. My lines have fallen for me in pleasant places and I have a rich heritage. My goodness does not extend to the, apart from you, there is no goodness in me, Lord. I want to hear from you. I want to hear from you. Speak, Lord. Your servant hears. You have that attitude? And then, the next stage. He says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only. Deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently. <laughs> I like that word. He is looking intently at the natural face in the mirror. He's looking so intently. Boy, he's looking at his, his unshaved beard. He's looking at the hair from his nostrils, hair on his ears. You know what I'm talking about, right? And we go to the barber and say, sir, he's looking at all that. Looking intently. I mean, a lot of people come like that. They look intently at the speaker. I mean, boy, past excellent sermon. Then, for he looks at himself 
and then goes out of the hall and he forgets <laughs> absolutely what he was looking like. What is that? I want to look at this in some detail. Jeremiah will talk about this. Chapter 6 verse 10. <clears throat> to whom shall I speak and give warning? That they may hear. Indeed their ear is uncircumcised. The other translation says clogged. And they cannot give heed. Why? Behold the word of the Lord is offensive. They have no delight in it. Offensive. You get offended. I want to look at this word offense. Matthew chapter 15 verse 12. Then his disciples came and said to him, Do you know what the fa- that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? They were offended. It's very interesting the word offended in the Greek. You know what it is? Scandal in its soul. From which we get the word scandal. I want to obey. You know what? It's going to become a scandal if I obey. Make myself his disciple. Boy, I'm going to go through some intense hatred. People are going to hate me. It's going to be a scandal in my life. Scandal. Matthew chapter 11 verse 4. Jesus answered and said to him, he's telling the disciples of John, go and tell John the things that you hear and see. The blind see, the lame weak, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them and blessed is he who is not offended because of me. The reason why many of us don't change is most of the time the word of God offends us. Offends us. It's a scandal to obey. What will People think. Kuntaro. Ah, that's a famous word I hear among Telugus during weddings. Kuntaro. Kuntaro. It's become a scandal. You know, there was one guy in Luke's Gospel chapter 18. You know that guy, right? What's his name? Zacchaeus, the tax collector, rather 19, not 18. 18 is a rich young ruler. He goes away sad because it's going to be a scandal to follow Jesus by giving up everything. Come on. 19, there's another rich man. What does he say, Lord? Half my wealth to the poor. I have taken money from people. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to repay them four times. Let there be a scandal. That is true conviction. That is genuine repentance. How many of you know Nabil Qureshi? Let me see your hands. Okay, that's interesting. Who brought Nabil Qureshi to the Lord? Anybody knows? How many know David Wood? Okay, that's interesting. That's a good number. Who brought David Wood to the Lord? How many of you know? Ah, that's interesting. 
the guy who came who i mean who was actually responsible for nabil qureshi was a guy who was not afraid of a scandal i'll tell you when david wood was in prison i mean this is is there as testimony is there online when he was when when he's there and even seeking allah finding jesus and if you find the, the book expensive on the shelf you can go to kindle and download it okay it's very not very expensive okay for all those downloaders there is an option called kindle <laughs> he was yours let him hear <laughs> okay okay so and he says how did how did nabil could how did david would come to the lord david would was in prison for almost killing his dad in prison he met a christian who challenged him and that is how he was brought to the lord and why was this guy in prison this guy he committed 22 crimes and then he heard the gospel he was never arrested he was never convicted of any crime he was he heard the gospel after hearing the gospel he went to the police station and he said you know what arrest me because i'm a, i'm guilty of 22 crimes he says scandal yes scandal let people think whatever they want to think and this guy comes into the into the prison and david looks look, looks at his guy and he says boy you are in prison because you came all by yourself you confess your sins what a fool like pastor was talking about what a what a weak fellow it's weakness it's a scandal and they were on a fasting competition you christian can fast i will also fast and his health deteriorated <laughs> you see you cannot try all these fast 40 day fast 21 day fast in your flesh you'll get into the hospital for sure as for you was almost dying and they thought that he was killing himself and you know long story short he came to the lord because of this guy who confessed to 22 crimes and he was not convicted of them at the court of law and he was willing to go through the scandal and therefore you see anabil qureshi and therefore you see seeking allah finding jesus you don't see that yeah, that guy is there because one guy was willing to go through a scandal how many of us are willing to go through a scandal like that scandal it's a scandal huh. you know the biggest scandal in the israelites israel's history king takes the wife of his best loyal friend and his and his and his and his servant and his and 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 and, and possibly a guy who was a gentile takes advantage of him it's a scandal and you know what he says to the songwriter write this it's a scandal let the whole world think for all eternity i did this i'm willing to go to the scandal are you willing to go to the scandal oh no 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 what am i going to do what will people think about me that is the reason why he wrote psalm 51 you know why he wrote it look at what he says purge me o lord with hyssop and i shall be clean wash me and i shall be whiter than snow make me to hear i lost my hearing how can i worship you without hearing from you lord but it'll be a scandal david scandal also in the new new covenant when matthew is going to write it he's going to say betsheba the wife of uriah the hittite are you willing to go through that scandal absolutely lord absolutely
Are you offended because of the word of God? Does it offend you? Oh boy, it offends me. I'm telling honestly, it offends me. It offends me. I get really irritated and angry at the preacher and at God. Happens. It doesn't happen with you, Chandana? It happens with me, I'm being honest. But then you know what? I listen to all these testimonies and I say, Lord, what reputation? I don't want to go after this reputation. Let people think what they have to think. Look at another king. Who doesn't want to go through a scandal? Oh, what will people think? Okay, I've sinned, I've sinned, I've sinned. But, you know, this is 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 30. Saul replied, I have sinned. But please honor me before the elders of my people and before Israel. Come back with me and so that I may worship the Lord. Who's God? Your God, not my God anymore. I don't care about this relationship. I'm scared of the scandal. Oh, Paul, Saul, this great man, great king, he sinned. Oh, no, 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 no. I don't want that. I don't want that. I worship the Lord, your God. So what happens? You know, he's, 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 he doesn't want to hear God. That's the point. He just wants honor from men and he gets it. And that is the reason why Jesus will say in John 5 verse 44, he says, How can you believe you who receive honor from one another and do not seek the honor that comes from God alone? You don't want that honor. You want honor and reputation among men. You will get that. You will get your reward and you will not go through a scandal. But on that day, according to my gospel, Paul will say, the secrets of every man will be revealed. Every man will be revealed. Romans chapter 2. And that will be a scandal for the whole universe to see. You want that? Oh, scandal. Scandal. You know what gospel is? Scandalous. It is scandalous. And people who have been apprehended by God, they are not ashamed to say, you know what, I'm the worst of sinners. I'm the chief of sinners. There is nothing good in me. And therefore, they are the most spiritual people. Because they're not afraid of a scandal. They're not being humble. They're not acting humble when Paul says, I'm the greatest and the chief of sinners. No, he's not. He's not. If Otherwise, God would never have recorded that. I know your heart, Paul. I know exactly what you mean. Peter was not afraid of a scandal. Let them hear God. Galatians. Almost a scandal. You know that. Are you afraid of a scandal? Look at what happens to Saul in the end because he was not willing to go through the scandal. First Samuel chapter 20, 28 verses 5 to 7. When Saul saw the army of the Philistines, he was afraid and his heart trembled greatly. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him. No, Samuel is gone. He's dead and he's buried. When Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him either by dreams or by Urim or by the prophets. And then what Saul says, Saul said to the servants, find me a woman who is a medium that I might go to her and inquire of her. This guy died an unscandalous death. That's what he thought. That's what he thought. 
Oh, lest the Amalekites kill me, lest this uncircumcised fellows kill me. You kill me. Finally lost his hearing. I don't want to be that. I want to hear from God. I want to hear from God. I want to hear from God. You want to hear from God? That is the reason why it's called the perfect law of liberty. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one receives a blessing from the Lord. And you know what that blessing is? You know what the blessing is actually? Not money, not bank balance. It's the blessedness that God credits to your account without your works. You know what he says? Blessed is a man whose sins are forgiven, whose iniquities, transgressions have been covered. Blessed is a man to whom the Lord will not credit his sin in whose spirit there is no guile. Absolutely. That's a blessing. Forgiveness. Connection restored. Clear conscience with God. I can hear from him now. Next attitude. That is the reason why it's, this is in Matthew chapter 21. This is an example where the, there's two sons Jesus is talking about. One guy says, I will obey, but he doesn't do it. The other guy says, I will not do it, but then he changes his mind. And he does. He says, truly I say to you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes go into the kingdom of God. This is Matthew chapter 21. Into the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. They were going through, they are willing to go through the scandal. They believed. You Pharisees, you don't want to acknowledge your sin. And even when you saw it, you did not afterwards change your mind. In other words, you did not repent. And therefore, Lost. So how you hear the word of God today? Does he find faith in you today? Do you have, have you come with prepared minds and prepared hearts to receive the word of God every Sunday? Do you come? And if not, ask God, Lord, help me, Lord. I don't want to take this for granted. This pulpit, we don't play games. No, no, no. I tremble every time. I tremble every time. Sundays, I don't sleep anytime. I have, to pre- I have to preach the word. And I know pastor also. I, I know 3 o'clock in the morning is up. Because this is serious business. How you hear? Next. Another place. The parable of the sower. Then he said to them, take heed what you hear. You got that? What you hear. How you hear. What you hear. C.S. Lewis, he wrote a book called Miracles. In that book, he quoted a very simple poem. Fantastic, profound poem. Let's read it together. Very interesting. It's a very odd thing, as odd can be, that whatever misty eats, turns into misty. Let's see that again. If you didn't get it, I'll try to explain it. It's a very odd thing, as odd can be, that whatever misty eats, turns into misty. Think about it, no? I mean, it's like an, it's a miracle every time, no? You should, I think this is how we need to uh, encourage children to eat. We should motivate them. I mean, Emmanuel, she hates to eat. So what should daddy do? Look at this, look at this, look at this. What is this? This is an egg. You know the miracle? 
am going to eat it. And then after a few hours, the egg is going to be me. Oh, you don't see that? It's an apple. You see the apple? I'm going to eat it. It's going to go into my mouth. After a while, you don't see the apple anymore. You only see me. You look at the pizza, the burger. Hey, see, look at the pizza, look at the pizza. I'm going to eat the pizza. Boy, it disappeared. And then after a while, pizza is me. You got that? In other words, you are what you eat. It's an odd thing and a strange thing, he says. It's miracle. <laughs> the book is, by the way, called Miracles. Okay, it's a fantastic book, easy read, unlike other C.S. Lewis books. This is what he says. I loved it. I said, why? What an awesome truth. What you eat determines who you are. Or rather, who you are is what you eat. And that is the reason my pastor keeps on telling us, no? He says, when church in Corinth had a pastor, they were listening to the pastor at church in Corinth. They were not listening to the pastor in church in Jerusalem. Now we have all these technology, we hear all kinds of people all over the place. So what do we do if the message is tough and it requires a lot from us? So let me just try to find, how to ease my conscience. You see, you need to understand something. You need truth to survive. Your conscience has to be at ease. Otherwise, you will have sleepless nights. Let me tell you, it is miserable to become a forgiven believer. What did I say? I'll tell you what it means. You become a forgiven believer means you, your conscience is cleansed, you ask for forgiveness, your conscience becomes clear, all your sins are forgiven. What happens with that is, your conscience becomes very tender now. It becomes so tender, even if somebody will say something, you'll say, why did he say that? It's convicting you all the time. So if you don't have the power to keep the word that you, that you hear, what you do, I mean, what you do is that find somebody else who will try to lower the bar and ease my conscience. First Timothy chapter 4 verse 16. Watch your life and your doctrine closely. Perceiver in them, not preserve, perceiver in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Got that? Why? Second Timothy chapter 4 verse 1. I charge you, therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and patience. It's like, you know, I remember uh, Tim Keller, when he was called to another church to preach, he was preaching from Psalm 91, and he said, you know what, this uh, sermon was a meal that I prepared for my congregation. I think, wow, that is a very interesting uh, uh, analogy for a sermon, a meal. How do you prepare a meal? A balanced diet. You put a little bit of vitamin C, you put a little bit of fiber, you put a little bit of protein, you put a little bit of... uh, uh, pulses and carbohydrates and what have you, make it wholesome. That's what he's saying. Let's have con- convinced, let there be some conviction in that, let there, some, let there be some rebuke in that, let there be some exhortation in that, let there be some 
long suffering and all teaching, all kinds of flavors in that, so that people get a wholesome meal. A wholesome meal, because what you eat determines what you become. Make it a wholesome meal. See, one of the things that you need to, when you have children, you'll understand. Fussy eaters, boy, you need to do a lot of gymnastics to make the meat. Egg has to be this shape or some color somewhere. You have to put some sauce on it or ketchup on it and say, you know what, it's red egg. Somehow make it palpable, but the egg has to go inside. So, 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 so Timothy, he's, he's telling Timothy, Timothy, you do one thing, you know, work hard, no, put some conviction in there, put some exhortation, put some long suffering, make a nice meal, okay, work hard, you know, preparing a nice meal, like a good housewife. My mother used to kill us with palak kab sabji. Oh, I, I used to, you know, she used to put nice sambar, I love sambar. And then she said, Vijay, you have to eat this palak. And I used to take it, and then sambar. Swallow it. But that meal, it's important because I want my child, because what he eats is going to determine what he becomes. So, so, so too spiritually. Put some conviction, put some rebuke, put some exhortation, put some long suffering. Let them think, let them not think that you are angry with them, even though if you are animated, I'm not angry with you. I'm just excited. Okay, I'm just excited. This is how I am. Alright. I'm teaching. All kinds of teaching. And then he says, why? For the time will come when people will not endure sound teaching. They will not like wholesome meals. They will only like sugar. And they don't mind getting diabetes. Sugar, 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 sugar. God loves you. It's not, it's, you know what we do, right? To make the milk a little palpable. Uh, put in some pediasure. She's not going to drink it. Put in some more pediasure. A little bit more sugar. Make it sweet. That's exactly what people do. They add sweet and sweet and sweet and sweet. And by the time conviction is gone, it's only sweet. <sighs> Jesus loves me. 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 Diabetic believers. Because they have only eaten sweet all of their lives. What will they do? They will heap for themselves teachers who will turn their ears away from the truth and they will be turned aside to stories. What happens when you come to church? It's a storytelling time. Tell us some stories, please. Entertain us. Otherwise, we'll lose concentration. Entertain us. Tell us stories. Do some gymnastics. Run on the platform. Say money, 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 money. Happens. Give them sweet. Ultimately, you have a set of absolute impotent believers who have no strength on the day of judgment. Why? Because they were not careful as to what they ate. You know, Jeremiah calls it chaff, not wheat. It's powder. It's not, it's milk. There's a lot of difference between milk powder and milk. You know it. It's only a whitener, not milk. 
So you have whitened believers without any substance. Whitewashed graves. Because they have been eating sugar all their life. How do you hear? What do you hear? Is very important. Therefore he says in John's Gospel chapter 6 verse 60 to 61 he says, therefore many of his disciples, not even followers now, disciples, the teaching got a little intense now, lot of requirement of to understand this, how to take it, how to obey it, scandalous please. This is heart saying who can understand it. Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained. You know the word is gongusmo, grumble in Greek. Gongusmo, it's like a, it's you take a plate and you do a tang. That is gongusmo. More more complain, more more complain, more more complain. You go to the class, teacher. You know when a teacher is stuck on the board and he's not <laughs> progressing in the equation. <laughs> Happened to me once. I got stuck there. I'm like, oh my goodness. I had 125 students in my class. They were all looking. This fellow doesn't know his That time I said, you fellas. Next year, I will see. <laughs> okay, after from next year onwards, no murmuring, no complaint. But at that part, it's like, disciples started, gongusmo, it's crumbling in the camp, it's crumbling in the camp, crumbling, who's this fellow Moses? Take us back. Right, we don't want this guy to be our leader. Too tough. Crumble. And he says, does this offend you? <laughs> Disciples, this is scandalous to you. Did I not say, you cannot come to me unless it was given to me by my father. And he looks at the twelve disciples, you want to go? No Lord, where shall we go? You alone have the words of life. Did I not choose the twelve? Yet, one of you is the son of the devil. How do you hear? What do you hear? Offend. Crumble. Complain. Too long. Too tough. Too intense. I like intense teachers actually. Boy, I love people who love their subject. Who are passionate about it. Because I want to be one. This is one guy who hated tough subjects and this was, this name was King Ahab. Look at what he says in 1st Kings chapter 22 verse 8. So the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, king of Israel, <laughs> Israel and uh, Jehoshaphat are going to battle and all the prophets go man, you're gonna win, victory is yours, etc, etc, etc. And Jehoshaphat is like getting convicted, this is too good to be true and others follow Ahab. Can we find another alternative voice please? There is still one man. Micaiah, the son of Imla, by whom we may inquire of the Lord. He's sure that the Lord is going to speak. That's the point. But I hate him. Because he does not prophesy good concerning me. Only evil. Look at the glucose we are going to get and win the war without protein. Sugar. See, very important how we hear. 
and what we hear. Choose, therefore, teachers after God's own heart who will challenge you. I like Nabil Quraish. I mean, if you, uh, you heard his, uh, uh, I mean, the, the memorial service, the funeral service. There was a pastor who was doing the MCing and uh, this pastor, uh, after Nabil was uh, diagnosed with cancer, he came back to Houston and uh, he became a part of this church. He knew, knew this pastor for quite some time and he said he came back to Houston. He came to this pastor and he, after he came to the pastor, he met his pastor and he said, uh, Pastor, you need to mentor me. This is, he looked at Nabil and he said, Nabil, a doctorate? You're doing a doctorate in theology. You've been with Arzadam Ministries. You are an itinerant. You know the Bible inside out with all the arguments. You're not, you're asking me to mentor you. He said, yeah, I want you to mentor me. I like, I mean, these are all things that you need to hear. Mentor you? Yes, I want you to mentor me. He said, okay, fine. I'll mentor you. I'm going to say some tough things to you. Think about a guy who's suffering with cancer. Oh, poor you, Nabil. Suffering with cancer, yo, what happened? You know what he said? Nabil, he asked him a question. He said, Nabil, what have you been reading in the Bible? Oh, well, uh, been reading from First Corinthians chapter 15 and what happened? What, what has God been telling you and speaking to you? Well, I was trying to analyze this text with the other text and, you know, the, the pastor stopped him and he said, Nabil, you know what your problem is? You analyze too much. You do higher criticism. Lower criticism, all kinds of criticism, but you never have the premise that every word of God is true. Now, I like the ESV Bible. Okay, I like the ESV Bible. I'll tell you why, because it's, it makes understanding easier. That's only it. But I don't recommend this to you. I'll tell you why. Because parts of scripture have been removed from ESV. I'm talking about John's Gospel chapter 7 verse 53 to 8, 11 has been removed. Mark's Gospel chapter 16, the later part has been removed. And we have big preachers whom I respect a lot and I get mentored by them who also agree with that. And I have this question, once the canon is closed, why do you want to argue? What do you want to argue? Why do you want to argue? John's Gospel chapter 5 verse 4 is not even there. It's interesting. 1, 2, 3, skip 4, 5. In ESV. Go and look at your ESV Bible. It's gone. It's removed. It's removed. The parts which have been removed have been put in in double brackets. You'll see that in your ESV Bible. It's not there. It's not there. Why? Why? And he told Nabil, he said, you know what? Why didn't you take that every word is from God? If the forefathers have thought that this should be a part of the canon, why should you not agree to what Jesus said? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And you know what Nabil said? You know, that day when I heard that pastor say that, I was rebuked with my cancer and I knelt down and I prayed and I repented and I went back home and I called him and I said, you know what? I feel as like the first time when I was born again. Amazing. What do you hear? Very important. Therefore he says, Most assuredly I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, 
And the sheep hear his voice. You will know exactly when you do this. You're careful about how you hear. You're careful about what you hear. And you will know the voice of your shepherd. And I'm not just talking about a shepherd from this pulpit. You will have the vo- you will know the voice. If that shepherd's voice here resonates with the shepherd's voice in heaven. If he's indeed a shepherd after his own heart. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. It does not become a text anymore. The text and everything just disappears and a person appears. Hearing, calling out your voice, your name, calling you by name. Do you believe that? That God will call you by name? Yet, they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him. Run away from him. For they do not know the voice of strangers. How do we hear this morning? You're here in God's house. How have we been hearing the word of God? There's a question that you need to ask yourself. Do you know the voice of your shepherd? When something gets, you know, when you, you, do you test the spirit? Do you test the message? Do you go back home and do your homework? When somebody says something wrong, does it bother you and say, Are, somewhere something is wrong here? And you know what? If you find something wrong in this message, you can talk to me. Tell me, where is, where, where did I go wrong? It's important. Because it's not about me. It's not about me. It's about God. And that you need to hear His voice. That is the promise of the new covenant. That you will not say to your brother, hear his voice. Everybody will know him. From the least to the greatest. Okay. How you hear. Next. How we see. I got 40 minutes. I'll try to finish. Just one quotation. See, once you start hearing properly, seeing is not a problem. You believe and you will see. Start seeing. But let us try to understand what dulls our sight. Andrew Murray. One great power of sin is that it blinds men so that they do not recognize the character of sin. Powerful. One great power of sin is that it blinds men so that they do not recognize its true character. Because sin will not never come and say, you know, if you eat this, you will not surely die. That's what it will tell you. Look at another guy. I don't know the guy who quoted this. He says, the eyes are useless when the mind is blind. It's not talking about physical sight, obviously. A lot of blind people physically are extremely sharp spiritually. What does it tell me? Learn this from the life of Samson. One of the titles of the message which was preached from this pulpit. Sin blinds, then it binds, then it grinds. Blinds, binds, grinds. Chucky Peace. 
क्या पीस रहा है छक्की पीस रहा है पावर ऑफ सो वन ऑफ द थिंग्स दट हैपन्स इन दू कवनेंट यू नो ब्रदर जैकपुर amazing teacher you gave a fantastic ex- uh, uh, i mean insight into romans chapter 6 verse 14 he says sin shall not have dominion over you for you are no longer under law but under grace and then he said most of us read it this way he said yeah you know that he uh, says sin should not have dominion over you most of us read it sin should not have dominion over you for you are no longer no longer under law but under grace and he says what is the difference i'm like what is the difference no and he said he says when you when somebody says sin should not have dominion over you is a command but when somebody says sin shall not have dominion over you is a promise that's a difference you don't have to sin in other words because you have come under a different power altogether infinite power of god he calls it inconceivable power inconceivable power the power that gives life to the dead and calls those things that are not as though they are that's the power which has spoken the promise and my promise every promise is yes and amen in christ so it's a promise so you don't have to struggle if you surrender that's the point that's the idea you know you know samuel i'm sorry samson this is samson's life blinds sin blinds he doesn't even realize it it's not just physical blindness ultimately it the manifestation is physical blindness is is spiritual blindness blinds then it binds then it grinds Judges chapter 14 now Samson went down to Timnah and saw a woman in Timnah of the daughters of Philistines so he went up to the, went up and told his father he saw that's a point here he saw a woman that's it he saw that's it he saw he perceived with his eyes so he went up and told his father and mother saying i have seen a woman in Timnah and the daughters of the Philistines now therefore get her for a wife to me that's it finished over no arguments No arguments, please. I mean, father. Then father and mother said, "Is there no woman among the daughters of your brethren or among all my people that you must go and get a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines?" And the, and Samson said to his father, "Get her for me. She pleases me well. Period. That's his life. Incredibly anointed man. Ultimately becomes blinded." because he does not realize that the sin that entices him also binds him i like the proverbs i'm not going to expose it i'm just going to read look at this proverbs okay proverbs are fantastic you just have to read them to understand proverbs chapter 23 verse 26 my son give me your heart and let your what eyes observe my ways why because a harlot is a deep pit and a seductress is a narrow well 
In other words, guntalo badte baitagrao. You get into it, you will never come out. She also lies in wait for a victim and increases the unfaithful among men. And therefore, give me your heart. Let your eyes pay attention to my ways. He doesn't stop there. He says, verse 29, Who has a woe? Who has a sorrow? Who has strife? Who has complaining? Who has wounds without cause? Who has redness of eyes? I mean, many of us have sometimes on Sunday morning, redness of eyes. Verse 13, Those who tarry long over wine, those who go to try mixed wine. Amazing. No. What are they called? Uh, I forget the name. It starts with a C. Huh? Cocktail. Yes, yes. Mocktail. You have mocktails and you have a cocktail. Mix it. Put in a little bit of vodka. Whatever. Those who tarry long over wine, those who go to try mixed, what are they doing? They're only trying, Baba. Just want to taste it. I mean, they don't taste that the Lord is good. Then he says, do not look at wine when it's red. When it sparkles in the cup and goes down smoothly. Oh, I mean, you see how the wine guys, I mean, they, when they, when they get the first, uh, uh, yield of wine, they do that. There's a ceremony over there, no? They pour it, they do the, <sighs> smooth. Smooth. It just slided down my throat. Oh boy, it's so warm. It sparkles. Look at it. It's red. Ooh. Smell it. Drink it. One sip and it goes. Hurry, it didn't give me a high. But boy, it tastes good. Look at it. He says, in the end, it bites like a serpent and stings like an adder. Your eyes will look at strange things and your heart will utter perverse things. You're gone. Look at this next verse. It's fantastic. It's funny. I mean, Solomon has a sense of humor. You will be like the one who lies down on the midst of the sea, like one who lies on the top of the mast there. You know, it's the guys there, right on the top of the mast there. And one pole over there is there. And he's like hanging like that. He's like, he's doing all that. And he, and, and, and he says, you know what he says? They struck me. Nothing happened. Steady. They beat me. I did not feel it. When shall I awake? I must have another drink. You know, a man of God, it's like a a python, okay? You know how a python hunts its prey? It hypnotizes with its eyes. It holds it and then coils. Coils and coils and coils. First coil. Second coil. Third coil. And this guy's trying to get out. Coil again hard. 
It's a horrible death. It's slow. It's not instantaneous. Your breath is just coming out of your lungs. It's, it's, it's just going down and it's your lungs are getting pressed out and the life is coming out of you. I must have another drink. Steady. I mean, I, I, it's very, it's very interesting, no? In, in our Telugu cinemas especially, they glorify the drunkard. He make him a hero. Or they make him a comedian. Do you know that? They, he's a, a guy's a hero. Because he's abs, even when he is drunk, he is gonna fight with the villain Baba. And he's gonna give an Upadesam also. When he's fighting, when he's drunk, He's going to tell his chamcha, you know, this is how we're going to fight when we're drunk. I, I remember that movie, I don't know, Jackie Chan's famous movie called The Drunken Master. How many of you know that movie? I, I saw it several times, but Drunken Master, they glorified this man. He becomes something when he gets drunk and he starts fighting. Demonic. They don't realize that. It makes him an addict at the end of his life. He's gone. Look at what he says in Isaiah 4.22. Woe to those who are heroes at drinking. Valiant men in NIV will call it beer. Mixing strong drink. You don't realize. One taste and you're gone. But you're a hero. Because you know what? That's what the media told you. You become a hero. Hero. How do we see? And that is the reason why Bathsheba has very wise words to tell, as to say to his, to her, to her son. Proverbs chapter 31 verse 1. The words of King Lemuel, the utterance which his mother taught him. What my son? And what son of my womb? And what Son of my vows. I made a vow that this son will be consecrated for the Lord. I made a vow. Son of my vows. Do not give your strength to women. Nor your waste to that which destroys kings. It is not for kings or level. It is not for kings. You, you're a royal priesthood guys. It is not for kings to drink wine. Nor for princes intoxicating drink lest they drink and forget the law and pervert the justice of all the afflicted do you want me to exposit this so clear and most of you don't read Proverbs but what about the righteous like what the righteous Proverbs chapter 4 Verse 18 onwards. But the path of the righteous is the light of the dawn, which shines brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter until the noonday. You know what? You, you see, you see like a slanting image initially, and then it becomes clearer and clearer and clearer and clearer. Your walk is so clear. Your vision is so clear. Your purpose is so clear. Your discernment so clear because you have exercised your senses over a period of time. But what about the wicked? The way of the wicked is deep darkness. 
they do not know over what they stumble. How do we see today? And therefore, you know what? One of the things that the old in New Testament teaches, it says, you know what, guys? Be ruthless with sin. Don't try to placate it. Kill sin before it kills you. Matthew chapter 5 verse 29. If your right eye causes you to sin. In other words, uh, other translations will say, if your right eye offends you. Scandalous. The same word. Tear it out. Throw it away. My goodness. Think about it. Willing to gorge it out of my eyes. But it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body to be thrown into hell. If your right hand offends you, cut it off. Throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body going to hell. See, sin is not should not. It's shall not. Why? Something you need to understand. God can give us the power to overcome sin in our lives every day. Every day. It is a promise. It is a promise. I'll tell you where. The grace of God that has appeared that offers salvation to all people, it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. And to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you something. When should you say no? You should say no at the very first time you are tempted. Very first time. Cut it off. Otherwise it becomes a snare. My parents are here. I can give them a, give their example that because they shared it with me. It's a very powerful, powerful. My father was in Guntur some time back as an officer in the railways. He was in charge of coal and cement transportation. Coal. I mean, it's a huge business for the railways. And all the coal companies and the cement companies are, 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 are you know, they, they want the product to go into the market first. So the pay of the officers, load my product first. Load, load the product first. Load my product, the pay of the officers. My dad was newly, uh, he became an officer newly and then he was there. He was posted in Guntur. And at the end of the month, his boss calls him and he says, Banu, this is your share. He gives him an envelope. My dad doesn't know what to do. He just takes it because he doesn't, he doesn't want to offend his boss. So he comes back home and he, and he's sitting there and he's having sleepless nights and he tells my mother and he says, what am I supposed to do with this? And you know what my mother says? Banu, for the very first time when somebody offers you this, say no, otherwise it'll be difficult the next time. So my dad takes the offering, offering, sorry, not the offering. <laughs> And he takes it, goes to the boss, and he tells, Sir, I'm sorry, I can't take it. You know what? When I hear that, they saved us children so much of trouble. They said no the first time. Children, learn from my parents. They only teach you math. They don't know, you don't know the other side of my parents' story. Say no the first time. Say no the first time. 
know the first time, the second time becomes easier. That's exactly what happened to Daniel. That's exactly what pastor was telling the youth yesterday. He said, first time Daniel said, Baba, no way. No way. First time. And after that, the test only got intense. But you know what? When you are faithful with little, little, little victories, when the big test comes, you're strong already. Say no. So that you can see. How do you see today? Taste and smell later on. Okay, Touch later on. But hearing and seeing, very important. Because Jesus said, two things important. Seeing they do not see. Hearing they do not hear. He doesn't say tasting they do not taste. But these two are important. When you hear and when you see, then you will say, you know what? The Lord tastes good. Aha. When you say no to sin, you know what? Your sense of smell increases. You're able to smell when offerings come to you, whether it is a right offering or a wrong offering. Whether it is a sweet smelling aroma to Christ or not a sweet smelling aroma to Christ. One guy sells and he takes a part of it, comes and puts the other part on the altar and suddenly Peter says, come Smelling. What is this? Is this your offering? So many offerings smell. Able to see that smell. You know why? Because he had the breath of God in his nostrils. He was born of the spirit of God. Receive the Holy Spirit. He got the breath of God into his nostrils. And he smelled discernment. Everything increased. Simon the sorcerer will come and say, please take this money and give me this gift. Your money perish with you. You thought the gift of God can be purchased with money. I see it. Your smell, you're bitter, you're stinking. Sense of smell comes. You know why? Because you hear and because you see. And because you taste. You don't have to be like pastor's Favorite example, Isaac and Jacob. Isaac, growing growing blind spiritually. Why? That one area in his life. Mutton. Grows blind and blind. But there is another guy who doesn't end like his father. He's also blind physically. But sees in his spiritualizes so clear and look at his father he's ready to bless the guy whom God hates that is the irony of it all Jacob I have loved Esau hated and you are willing to bless Esau how blind Isaac boy son of the promise cause of laughter and joy what happened to you ready to bless what God has already cursed How do we see? How do we hear? How sharp are our senses? And you know what? You can start today. That's the beauty of the new covenant. It's beautiful. You can start saying, Lord, I fail all these days. Lord, let me start with little things today. Let me say no. No for little, 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 little things in my life. So when the test comes, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm strong. 
Amen? Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for this time that you have given to us, time together in your word. Pray, Lord, that you would make this word reality in my life, in my life, Lord, and in the lives of all these children, little ones, and from the youngest to the eldest, that we will not, not go back home the same, that your word will find faith in the people who have heard it. It will find a place of lodging. And it will not only just lodge in one small space in our hearts, but Lord, it will expand to every area in our lives where the word of the Lord will become preeminent in every area of our lives, O Lord. That is a promise that you have given to us as a church. That in all things, Christ Jesus should be the preeminent. And therefore I pray that the word of Christ will dwell in us richly. That we will speak together and exhort one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. A word of Christ which causes faith to increase. Let it dwell in us richly, we pray. Come at each one of us in our hand, into your hands, O Lord Jesus. Let us not Lean on our own understanding. And let us trust in the Lord with all of our heart. Let us fear the Lord. And let us depart from sin and evil. So that it will be health to our spiritual flesh. And it will be bones. Not only to our physical flesh. But also to our spiritual bodies. Oh Lord. It will be health. It will be healthy spiritual children. Young men and fathers. Thank you Father. We praise you. We worship you. We give you glory. In Jesus' name, Amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. Amen.